Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope X prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT podcast. Padres EVT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me on the 66th episode of our show is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing? I'm doing good, and we're on uh, day five of no Padres baseball. Um, we have lots of other baseball, though, so it's not too bad. Um, <laughs> the best yeah. time of the year, I always say. It's uh, definitely, uh, I guess, a reflecting time of the time of the year for for Padre fans. Um, I guess that's pretty much what we're going to be doing as well is reflecting on the 2017 season, and uh, I guess the. I don't know how. How do you describe? How would you describe the 2017 season in, in, in a couple words, Patrick? Um, surprising. Um, surprisingly boring. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, like I it guess wasn't. It wasn't like a great form of surprising. It was kind of just like whatever. But I can say I'm genuinely surprised that this team somehow won 71 games. Considering yeah. How well, when when you when you're projected to win 60 and you win 70, I mean, like the fan base is like, yay! But I mean, we losing draft order and you know we're falling back into that 70 win category that they don't want to go get into and you know it, it's i guess it's just the life of being a padre fan right i mean we uh... i mean yeah i think my bigger <laughs> issue is i would totally be fine if this team won 70 75 games if it meant that like certain players are performing over what we thought they were but i mean you look up and down mm-hmm. the roster there's not really a lot of guys that outperform what we thought. I mean, Manny Margot was good, but not, like, great. Um, yeah. Will Myers wasn't very good. Uh, Hunter Renfro wasn't very good. Jose Perella was probably the big surprise. But it's like, you don't really see a lot of guys um, that really you didn't expect to have, I guess, decent years. I mean, Denelson Lamette's probably the, the big one that we didn't really expect him to come up and, and put it together and, and pitch yeah. like he did. But, I mean, it's not like Man- Manny Margot had a seven-win season and Hunter Renfro had a five-win season. So it's not like we're winning games because the young guys are having outstanding years. I mean, obviously, um, they're improving and they're performing well, but it's not like... I guess it's not yeah, what I thought. If, if the team not, was they're not Aaron Judge and they're not uh, Bellinger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the team was supposed to win. And I don't want to say supposed to win like it was a sure thing, but, I mean, with the roster they put on the field, you could see him winning... No more really than maybe sixty five. More realistically, closer to sixty, and they won yeah. seventy one somehow. And I mean, their run differential tells you they're a sixty or fifty nine win team. So, I mean, I, it's like I said, it's surprising, but I don't think it's surprising necessarily for the right reasons. I mean, yeah, there's certain guys that well, I mean, did well, but not maybe who you expected or, or even who you wanted to. I mean, Will Myers took a big step back. Hunter Renfro yeah. didn't really perform the way we hoped. Austin Hedges didn't really have a great season, so. Obviously, well, we're gonna get we'll, to more of that. But. Yeah, we'll break down each each player individually, and there's definitely a lot to discuss w- within each player. But you, you know, you talked about the um, the predicted order and, and the uh, um, 
run differential. Uh, you know, the Padres got annihilated in a handful of games. I would say at least five games where they were beat 14, uh, 11 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 14 to nothing. So I think that skewed the, the run differential big time. Um, you know, it's it's just tough. This team, you know, they they over they overachieved. I guess you could say. Uh, let's talk about Ron Fowler's prediction this week, uh, or I guess not really a prediction, but stating that the, the team could win uh, eighty-one games next season and finish around five hundred. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Can I laugh? Yeah, laugh. <laughs> is that a proper response? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it's just. It's what I mean. I it's not that I didn't expect him to say that because that's kind of the owner's job is to be optimistic yeah. and say I expect this team to win the World Series every year, and we we're all smarter than that. We know better than that. But it's still just kind of weird to see him say it in such a public forum. And it's like, okay, dude, um, I don't know what you think you're gonna do to make this team um, a winner, but it, it's gonna be kind of a stretch to put this team. I guess that far ahead of where they are now, because you're basically saying, sure, it's only a 10 game difference from this year, but really, realistically, mm-hmm. I think it's more of a 20 game difference based on how lucky the Padres got. That a lot, of, I think the, the thing is that a lot of their wins were close games. I mean, I'm looking at their results right now, and I just counted about at least 15 to 20 games they lost by at least seven seven runs. So that's pretty substantial, and that's yeah. obviously why they're. Um, Pythagorean record was skewed more towards 60 wins because they lost so many blowouts and mm-hmm. yeah maybe they're maybe they actually are a 70 win team but with all those big losses that shows you that the, the true talent level of the team is much closer to a 60 win team honestly and out of their wins I'm counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 probably about 20, 25 wins that are by one run or two runs so this team is barely scraping by with the wins, and then they're just getting obliterated in a good amount of losses. I mean, the team lost, what, 91 games? And I'm counting at least 20 that were by at least six or seven runs. So that's pretty substantial, a team yeah. that's overmatched. Yeah. And you don't see that from – you look at playoff teams or even teams at 500. There's not there's not that on their record. I mean, I could look at a team closer to let's, – let's say the St. Louis Cardinals as an example. I'll pull up their numbers, and we'll see where they're at. They're more of a – I think they were close close to 500 around there. Um, we'll see how many blowout sort of games they had. Because I think that really tells you all you need to know about a team and how competitive they are is how they play in those kind of games. And, yeah, yeah so I'm looking at the exactly. Cardinals right now. Cardinals won 83 games. They had one, two, three, four, five. Only five games that were over seven or eight runs. And one of those was against mm. the Padres, which is kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, only five or six games that were over eight runs. And the Padres had okay. closer to, like, 20. So I think that yeah. just really tells you all you need to know, that good teams perform well and, and bad teams don't. And at the end of the day, the Padres, regardless of kind of what their record shows in the end, yeah. they weren't a good team. So no, I, 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 don't that's, see, that's... I don't see any, like, crazy scenario where this team could – could win 81 games next year. Like, sure, I could see them winning 70, 75 again. Um, but I still think they're, I think, still think they have a, a better chance of bottoming out further than they are now than they do of getting to 81. I mean, well, you're really counting they, well, on a lot of guys okay, well, from AA. The, so. the, those skewed numbers are obviously the Mazzoni, Quackenbush factor. I mean, those guys came in and just <laughs> yeah. got annihilated. I mean, I, I think Mazzoni's ERA is still over 100, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it I don't just, even know. why is he even. <laughs> Why is he even here? Why why was he even brought up? I mean, he went from pitching in the AZL 
to pitching in the major leagues, which is unheard of. But you know, that's another story. His final um, year it was thirteen point five. So, ugh. not very good. Let's let's anal- okay. Let's analyze Fowler's statement for two thousand eighteen. Um, we know that this team, the way it's currently constructed, is not going to win eighty one games next season. That, that's obvious. There, I mean, if they add a, a Zach Cosart or some crappy free agent here or there, they might get back to seventy wins. But let's analyze Fowler's statement for 2018 because he seems to always give up Preller's hand early, whether it's shields, whether it's whether it's anything. He seems to always play his hand and give it up early. So my question is to you, this team has a minimal payroll for next year. Are they going to go out and make a big splash? Are they going to try to their best to go out and, and sign an Otani to uh, put their eggs in one basket and go after a Darvish to – to make a big trade for a, a, a young up-and-coming left-handed hitter who they can put in the middle of the lineup is—is is that what Fowler's thinking? Is that you know is—is is he giving AJ permission to take this team into the next level, kind of like what they did in 2015? Uh, you know, I'm I'm just throwing out a conspiracy theory at you, kind of a something to talk about because, like I say, he seems to always. He, he never plays his cards close to the vest. I mean, if Ron Fowler has something on his mind and something's being talked about within the baseball operations team, he has no problem in, in letting the fans know. I mean, I'll, I'll first say that I don't hope that's what they're thinking, but with what we saw from Ron Fowler and Mike D um, in 2014, kind of that, the A.J. Preller winter as it's, as it's known, um, obviously a lot of that was, I think, from ownership. Obviously, AJ Preller made the moves, but I think a lot of the push was from ownership on acquiring these big name players. And I'm hoping that they don't make that same mistake again this year because you're only what less than two years removed from really blowing that up and starting to trade guys. I mean, you had Craig Kimball traded, then Matt Kemp, then James Shields, and it all just kind of unraveled from there. So I, I hope that they don't make those same mistakes and basically do the whole same thing where they blow it up for really no reason just to try to compete. Um, as I've said to you in the past, I think it's 2019 is a more realistic scenario where going to that season, you really evaluate, what do we have now? What are we missing? What parts do we have that we don't necessarily need? Like, which players can we trade, use as trade bait? Um, obviously, the free agent market's going to be a lot better um, 2018, 2019, both those years. So I think that's really when you got to put your cards on the table and say, is this the year that we start pushing in? I just don't see a scenario where this team can push in next year. I mean, sure, Tatis could tear apart AA and AAA and end up in uh, at Petco in July, and Joey Lucchese could follow, and Cal Quantrill, and Jacob Nix, and they could call those guys up, and they could have a great rotation, and Tatis could be hitting bombs and whatever, but I just don't see a scenario where all those guys work out that quickly. I mean, at the end of the day, there's mm-hmm. nobody in AAA right now that you really can squint and say that's a guy that's going to be a big, big part of what we have going. I mean... I think outside of Urias and Tatis, who are both in Double A, I don't really see anyone getting to the big leagues next year and making a big impact. I mean, maybe a couple of those pitchers, but outside of those guys, I mean, you're really squinting to see it. And I think the more realistic scenario is, yeah, 2019, whether that's the beginning of 2019 or the middle of 2019, you're going to start to see a change. You're going to start to see movement. Um, I just don't see the point of starting to trade these prospects away before you really know what you have. I think there's still time to figure things out. I, I mean as cliche as that sounds, um, I just don't see the need to rush right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't see them trading uh, prospects that are in their in their uh, future plans, if you will. But if someone has an interest in Michael Geddes and wants to ride that ship and possibly 
you know, hopefully cultivate him or whatever, then, you know, I, I could see the Padres possibly making a deal or something. You know, I, I don't know what kind of value he has, though. I mean, that's just a name I threw out there, by the way. Don't don't come at me with all the hate, the Michael Gettys fan club. I know Patrick's a big fan of him. Yeah, you want to fight right obviously. now? Obviously. <laughs> you know, and, you know and, and in signing Otani and signing Darvish wouldn't take – it wouldn't require – Moving prospects. I mean, you know, I, I'm just, yeah, I, I don't I'm just, see the team I'm just making. Out names. I'm, you, yeah, I don't see the team making a move like Darvish. I think Otani is the perfect move you make. I mean, I think Dar- young, Darvish. You, you sign him; he's under control for six, seven years. Yes, but yes, obviously, it's going to take a lot to convince him to come here. Well, that, because that's why the mon- money's Darvish, not a factor. Darvish so. is going to be would be a factor in that, and because he's made it known that that this I mean, is idle and that's who he wants to play with. And that's I don't think Otani's going to make his decision based on Darvish. I think. The more important factor here is that the Potters have made inroads in Japan. I mean, in, in really the, all the Pacific, um, they have Hideo Nomo on staff. They have a couple other guys on staff. I mean, they're making Saito, those inroads. Yeah. yeah, Saito on staff. Uh, AJ Preller's made trips to Japan. It's, it's pretty clear that they're moving in that direction. And obviously every team is moving in that direction, but it's clear the Potters well, are making we, that we a priority. At, when we were at the Padres, uh, prospect, or the Padres on deck uh, thing, uh, someone asked about Otani, and I believe it was uh, was it Chris Kemp that, that said that they had seen him pitch and that they were yeah know, they've been there they've seen him live and in person yeah so they, there's obviously there, intent they, there it's not like yes. we're just fishing here and I no and even Aki Otsuka was at um the the prospect game so exactly. there's, there's another guy former former Padre um th- those those connections matter as much as it's kind of cliche to say oh he's gonna sign here because we have other Asian players that played here like that's kind of dumb sure but. Those connections no, well, really he do wants matter. to be comfortable, and, like, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're building those relationships. and um, Obviously, Otani's team actually um, played in spring training. They had an, exhi- an exhibition at the Peora Sports Complex. So yes, there's yes. that connection, too. I mean, I know we're it's sort of fishing to say, oh, there's this connection, that connection. But at the end of the day, this kind of stuff matters. And I think it's important to note this and not just write off and say, oh, the Padres can't afford him. Because at the end of the day, any team can afford him because of the restrictions that are here. And if this yeah. guy, if this guy obviously doesn't care about money because he's making the effort to come over here in the first place, so if he if he finds the right fit, he's going to go there regardless, and the money's not going to matter. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to be the decision. The prime factor is going to be where can I play? Can I play two yeah. positions? Can I be a pitcher and a batter at the same time? Um, and I think the Potters are willing to do that. Obviously, Christian Betancourt, that experiment maybe didn't work out the way they hoped, but that intention's mm-hmm. there, and I think that's going to be important going forward. No, de- definitely, and there's there's a lot of determining factors. I mean, at the most, he can sign for his ten million dollars, and, and you know that's nothing to sneeze at. But obviously, with his name and the track record that he comes with, he he'll be able to make ten million dollars in endorsements with the right situation. So at least, yeah, I mean, it, look at guys it, like LeBron exactly. James in basketball. He's making yes, yes. more money in endorsements than he is actually. From his exactly. Team contract, so, I, so I think that's what his team sees and 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 knows. So they just want a comfort a comfort factor for him. They want him to be on a team that he can excel and and show the world what kind of player he is. And, and therefore, his his you know the marketing department will just go wild. And so you know, I, I, it's tough to say that the Padres have no chance at, at all in him. At this point, I think fifty-fifty is probably realistic. And I mean, I think we'll... every team has fifty-fifty chance. There's a couple exactly. teams that probably have exactly. a little higher <laughs> chance 
simply because of their resources. I mean, the Yankees and Dodgers are two that come to mind. Obviously, money's not necessarily a factor, but those teams have that influence of just being these behemoth yes. organizations. And, and, and who doesn't want to play for those teams? In, yeah. And marketing yourself in New York and L.A. is going to be beneficial for you oh, definitely. in the long yeah. run as well. So there's going to be a lot of factors in, in, in Otani, but it's, it's just exciting – uh, to talk about this young man, I mean, I wrote a piece on him a couple of days ago. I mean, he was hitting 100 miles per hour uh, in his last start, hitting 99 in the ninth inning of, of a three-hit shutout he pitched in his last, uh, or possibly his last uh, game in the Japanese league. So the stuff is there. You know, he batted fourth in that game too for the for, for his team, which is it's just, just unreal. So you know, we'll have to see. Defensively, I I think that. The main factor in him coming to San Diego is the fact that I don't think he's going to be able to play defense uh, on an everyday basis. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't played uh, the outfield since 2014, I believe, in the Japanese league, and that was only uh, eight games that he played there. He's been strictly a DH when he's not pitching. So American League teams are definitely going to have an advantage when it, come, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty. So, you know, we'll have to see. Speaking of which, I saw some crazy thing on Twitter that a fan's uh, doing a, um, a sign or trying to trying to basically trying to move the Padres to the American League West, which is just what? unreal. I don't, yeah, I, I'll tweet it to you. Some he's getting a petition together trying to switch the Mariners and the Padres for some. I don't know. I'm it's on just board. Bizarre. I mean, the American League West is. I mean, the Astros are good, but outside of them, I think that's a at least in terms of teams at the top i think is a little less top heavy than the nl west is at current it's just it's just <laughs> random though i mean what it's just yeah i don't know what, i don't know what basis you'd have for just randomly switching two teams um across yeah, <laughs> leagues but it's just exactly i mean the astros moved but that was more logistical so that each division could be exactly um, yeah, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a an it's off season. Padre fans gotta gotta do stuff, so they're yeah. they're starting petitions to move the Padres to the American League West, apparently. So you know, yeah, look I mean, for I that. think that Otani, if he pitches every fifth day, I think he can play two or three play two or three games in right field or left field during the week, and then pinch mm-hmm. hit the other days. I think that's totally within the realm of possibility. I don't think that his defense is going to be a huge issue. I mean, Hunter Renfro's looked lost out there. So if he can play defense and I don't see how bad Otani could be. I mean, Otani's 20, what, three years old. I think he's 23, 24. So he's got the athleticism. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in the world right now. So I I wouldn't see a problem with him. And if he's providing as much offense as he is and pitching as he is, his defense is kind of irrelevant to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd have to be uh, like a complete disaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting in the next couple of months because he seems uh, hell bent on on playing in the major leagues in 2018. So we'll just have to see. He's definitely gonna sway. You know, whatever team signs him is definitely gonna be favored in their division. They're gonna be uh, a powerhouse. You know, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they utilize him as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we kind of gone over uh, on our on our. Uh, Padres 2017 uh, position by position breakdown, um, but let's start off with uh, let's start off with catcher in Austin Hedges, who's uh, had a productive year despite the fact that he finished with a, what a 270 on base percentage. Uh, there were definitely things to be concerned about this young man, but defensively and, and in spurts, we saw a lot to like from from Austin Hedges. Uh, give me your your thoughts on the young man. Yeah, it's kind of weird that for a guy who 
literally can't hit for shit. I mean, I'm just I'm not even sugarcoating that at all. He cannot hit. I mean, sure he hits home runs. That's that's great. That adds some value um, overall. But at the end of the day, this guy just cannot hit to save his life. Um, I think he rolled a 71 WRC plus out there. Uh, among among catchers with at least 200 plate appearances, he sits. Uh, let's see, 42nd. Um, wow. So that's he's basically behind a lot of backups um, in terms of offensive value. Um, but at the same time, his defense was, um, if not the best in baseball, definitely one of the tops in baseball. I mean, you look at all sorts of metrics. I mean, look over at Baseball Reference War. I think he was at least a three-win player by their metrics, simply because of the defense. Uh, Fangraphs doesn't. Um, I don't think Fangrass has catcher framing as a part of their metric for war, so he was only at point six over there. But the defense is real. I mean, the effect. I think it can't be understated. I mean, as much as we talked about, did Andy Green kind of make this team overachieve? I think really it falls more in line with what Austin Hedges has been able to provide to the pitching staff. I mean, do you think guys like Denelson Lamette um, could have pitched as well with another catcher out there? I mean, Austin Hedges mm-hmm. obviously knows what he's doing. He's obviously built a great relationship with these pitchers they obviously can count on him um i I think it's important to note just how impactful he has been on defense and i know a lot of people don't want to put too much stock in defensive metrics whatever but it can't be overstated how good he was defensively and how even as a downright awful hitter i mean he's still a starting a starting major league catcher i mean i know people say oh the offense isn't good enough but at the end of the day even with that awful offense, he's still a starting caliber catcher. I mean, sure, you'd hope that he hits a little better going forward, but at the end of the day, you can't really complain too much with um, the defense, at least. So going forward, I don't really know where he stands in in terms of if the offense can improve. Um, But the defense is so good that I'm really not too too stressed about it because – the bar for catchers is so much lower. I mean, the average catcher's got like an 89 WRC plus, so Hedges is at 71. So still not great, but with the defense he's providing, I'm I'm totally fine with it because, I mean, at the end of the day, catching is more about defense than offense anyway. I mean, you can name the you can name the great hitting catchers of all time really on like maybe two hands. So Yeah, really. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head with, with as far as what he provides to the pitching staff and – how valuable that is. I mean, look at the young um, up-and-coming pitchers that are about to hit the major leagues in the, in the next year or so. Uh, the Quanchels, the Lowers, uh, the Lucases. Pitchers like that are going to want uh, an established veteran and a young defensive catcher to throw to, uh, someone that they can relate to uh, both emotionally and, and, you know, just be on the same page with him. So the future's bright for him. I think that all of us are just going to hope that he's able to hit 250 and, and you know walk a little more and, and cut down on the Ks a little more and just be a little more productive. I mean, the the, the home runs were exciting. I mean, he almost got to 20 this year. That's that's definitely nice. You know, if your catcher's going to hit 200, you definitely want him to at least show some power every once in a while. And he definitely does have does have that. Um, you know, let's move on to the backups. Uh, Hector Sanchez really uh, impressed me this year. Uh, he's still relatively young. He looks as though he's a mid-30s catcher, but he's only 27. And, and being a switch hitter, I, I, I see him as an excellent complement to, to Hedges, someone that you can uh, rotate in there in, in, against a tough right-handed hitter. And, and uh, uh, Terence also had a, had a productive year, although he's 
destined for probably double A next season. Um, wait, wait, wait. Thoughts? Did you just say Terence had a productive year? Well, for being a, a Rule 5 guy who I thought they should have gotten rid of in, in April, I mean, he's going to provide depth to the catching. I mean, I guess that's fair to say he wasn't completely useless, but he was kind of completely I mean, useless. I mean, I expect yeah, him to be completely but, useless, but at the end of the day, he was pretty useless. <laughs> he was. He, and, 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 I don't think that's, and I don't think that's unfair to say. I mean, we expected it from him because, yeah, you're, you're right. He's a guy that's never played above, what, a ball? So. I yeah, and he's still 21. He's 21. Yeah, he's but long term, he's another catcher they can add to the collection. I mean, you have Austin Allen exactly. down there, Marcus Green, obviously exactly. Han Capasano, who just drafted, Hamza, who just drafted. So from from last year to this year, in terms of catching depth, it's amazing. Last year, the Potters only had Austin Allen. Now they have really five other guys who you really like, at least somewhat like as catchers, like Marcus Green, yes. um, Hunt, Camposano, obviously Terenz. I don't know yeah. so much about Hams as a catcher. That's still something in the works, still a project. But it's kind of weird to see now there's so many catchers when last year it was like, well, Austin Hedges is really the only one. Maybe Austin Allen yeah. can learn how to catch better. But yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, Hector Sanchez probably be the backup next year, I'd imagine. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to Rocky Gale getting a shot as a backup full-time. I mean, he's not very good in terms of like, Offensive potential, yeah. but but I mean, Gale's two years older than than Sanchez, and yeah. you know, I mean, Gale. And, it's more of Gale's earned his keep, I guess. He's kind of done his time in the minor league, yeah. so in, in a losing season, I wouldn't mind having him up there um, long term, or even if Christian Betancourt, if they move him back to catcher, I think he'd be a solid backup. Not sure what the plan is with that. Yeah, I, that's it is kind of bizarre that they never even uh, gave him an opportunity to catch this season. I kind of just washed that away because I, I know he had some issues defensively with pass balls and, and blocking and stuff. But I mean, the arm was unreal, and I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's strange. I, I thought that they would definitely give him an opportunity to catch a AAA, and he was really, really never given that opportunity. It looks like they're gonna go full fledged. Uh, Kenley Jansen on him and, and, and turn him into a pitcher. So, you know, we'll have to see what that, how that progresses. But he really didn't look very well in in uh, in El Paso this season. Yeah, in terms of catchers, uh, um, Hedges was one of the best defensive catchers in baseball, as I mentioned. Um, his runs above average, which is the stat that kind of takes into account the plus calls. So calls he gets strikes that are balls or should be balls. So it's kind of like stolen pitches. Uh, he was third in baseball behind... Um, I think Tyler Flowers and Yasmani Grandal. Uh, Rocky Gale was about average in terms of that stat. Hector Sanchez was below average. Luis Torrens was also below average. So neither of those guys provide the um, catching ability that Hedges does. Obviously, Sanchez provides more offensive ability. Torrens, um, kind of a wash either way. So, yeah. yeah, I think Hedges and Sanchez probably go into the season next year as the catching tandem. Sanchez is kind of a better offensive option off the bench. But at the end of the day, Hedges is the guy. He's... Yeah, one of the best defensive well, catchers in baseball, and they're going to let him run with this until he shows that he can't play. Like until he shows that he can't play defense at this level, I think he's going to be the starting catcher. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing he could do outside of just striking out every time at the plate that would make him not a starter for this team. I mean, yeah. you, you hope that he improves as he gets older, but his defense is just so valuable that I think you're just like, whatever, we'll deal. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, let's uh, let's move to first base. Oh, um, my favorite topic. Your favorite topic in the world, Will Myers, who who again, I, again, I will reiterate the fact that he did play 
in 155 games this year after playing in 157 the year before. He was healthy. The numbers dipped, though. Uh, you know, slugging went up slightly. On base went down. Average went down. Ks went up. Uh, walks were about the same. A uh, couple more home runs. 20 less RBIs. Uh, defensively was a mess. Uh, I, I, you know, at this point, he's 26, going to be 27 this year. He'll be 27 all of next year. What exactly do we have in Will Myers? You know, this is something that you and I have just beaten to death, but let's let's go ahead and, and tee it up again and, and, and beat it down some more. So what, what do, you know, what is Will Myers' ceiling? What, let's, let's discuss that. What do you think his, his ceiling is? Do you think he can ever be a 300 hitter in this league? No, definitely not. No, okay. I would be, I'd be pretty surprised if he could be a three hundred hitter because, I, I mean, he's batted, he's had two thousand three hundred twelve plate appearances over his career now, and he's been a two fifty hitter. So, mm-hmm. you don't really see guys that have that many plate appearances that make such a substantial jump. And I, I'm not really a, obviously, I've never really been a proponent of um, batting average. It's just a good measure of a player i mean it's it's quick and dirty it's easy to see what it mm-hmm. says but in terms of really evaluating a guy i think there's other things you need to look at so sure i don't think he could be a 300 hitter ever i'm not gonna say i can't see him being a productive hitter i mean for his career he's been 110 wrc plus i mean that's above average that's that's solid i'm not mm-hmm. gonna shit on that to to use a, a opportune word um but at the end of the day, you've got to look at his season and, and compare it to last season, and I don't know how you don't see it as a disappointment unless you really think defense is useless and base running is useless and war is stupid. Then outside of those things, I don't know how you can see, compare the two and say, yeah, he was better this year or, yeah, he was good enough because he wasn't. I mean, last year he was a borderline four-win player because of what he did in the bases, because of what he did in the field, and this year he didn't even crack a win. And... I know a lot of people hate war and think it's dumb, but there's at least some measure of value there. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying that's the only way I can judge a player, but you look at that, and that's that's a pretty substantial. I mean, there's not a lot of players you can look around the league and say he took a mi- he took a minus three in in the war category. That's pretty rough. I mean, I'd have to do some some research to really see if there's any other players that had a more significant fall from one year to the next. But I think. Well, Myers is definitely up there, and that's that's discouraging. Like, sure, he hit more home runs. His isolated power numbers were up, but his strikeouts were up. His on-base percentage was down. His average was 16 points down. So, at the end of the day, I mean, he's barely an average first baseman. You look at a list of all the first basemen in baseball with at least 200 plate appearances, Will Myers sits number 29 by WRC+. So, that's just Ouch. not going to cut it. I mean, that that hurts. That's painful. And you look at his defense, it's the worst he's the worst defensive first baseman in baseball. And sure, you say catching defense is super important. First base defense, who really cares, right? That I totally get that. But if he's not providing above average offensive ability, the defense needs to be there. You know what I mean? And he's not providing above average offensive ability. He sits at twelfth in terms of home runs, that's great. He's got the twelfth most home runs in terms of first baseman, but he's just not doing enough all around to really justify the player, and I, I know it's like, oh, don't expect him to be a superstar. It's like, I'm not expecting him to be a superstar, but the team is expecting that, 
and pretty soon they're going to be paying him a good amount of money. And sure, this year I don't really care because they were paying him four million. So if he was going to have a shit season, now's the time to do it. Yeah. But you're looking three years down the line. If he keeps doing this, that contract's going to be a disaster. And I don't care. Oh. Twenty million is not that bad in the grand scheme. When guys like Machado and Harper are going to be making closer to forty, like sure, I get that, but you don't want a guy like that on your roster if he's going to be a, a, a below average player. I mean, look what Matt Kemp became. And sure, I'm not going to say Will Myers is Matt Kemp because he's still just what twenty six years old. He's got time to turn around, but he's given us a pretty good uh, amount of plate appearances to show that this is the kind of hitter he is. He's a one ten to one fifteen WRC plus kind of hitter he's a 250 hitter if you want to use that i mean the on-base percentage is what 328 he's been in the 320 330s every year of his career so how many years does it take for us to decide that this is just who he is and he's not going to get any better and if his defense is terrible and his base running is just okay this isn't really a useful i mean he's not really a a a great useful player i mean yeah he's gonna be a he can be a starter I'm, i'm not saying he's not a starter on a team but I just don't see how we can expect him to suddenly put it together and become the superstar that some people thought he was going to be. And really the team, I think it's more that the team wanted him to be this. And it wasn't even us. I mean, we were kind of caught in the crosshairs just like, okay, yeah, he had a four-win season last year. Yeah, let's let's get it behind him. And I was a big Will Myers fan. I was like, yeah, this guy could be a great player. I think he's got a lot of potential there. But at the end of the day, what he showed us this year is I just don't think – the attitude wasn't there. Um, I know some people are like, oh, it's kind of tough to knock a guy for being lazy, whatever, for not running out balls. But you could just tell in his body language that a lot of times he wasn't altogether there. The attitude wasn't there. Um, there was obviously the story about how he supposedly quit on the 2016 season and the second half didn't try. And James Shields apparently was there always to tell him to like get it together and you know focus, whatever. And once James Shields was gone, that went away. I don't know how much truth there is to those stories, but... You can kind of obviously see there was some shift in Will Myers this year and the attitude wasn't there. And he's going to see a sports psychologist in the offseason. You hope that there's some result there and some improvement. Um, I'm obviously rooting for the guy. I'm not here just to shit on him and think I want him to fail. I've never said I wanted him to fail. I'm just trying to be realistic with what he's been and what we should expect going forward. I just don't think we can any longer expect him to be a five-win player um, long-term. And I know that was really long-winded. Um, I kind of want to jump to you, get your thoughts, and if you agree with me or what you disagree with me on, please feel free to disagree with me. I know I've gotten a lot of flack for being a Will Myers hater, and I don't think I'm necessarily a hater. I'm just trying to be realistic with what he's shown me on the field this year. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in what I saw him, from him this season. You know, Defensively, sticks out mostly. Um, I, at this point, I still, I, I just have trouble writing off the 26-year-old that's going to be 27. Um, you know, I, I think the the biggest issue is that we all had unrealistic expectations for him. Oh, definitely. Um, I think that last year, um, with how he performed, I mean, it was a four-win season even with a terrible second half, and then he got the big contract, and it's it's hard not to expect more when a guy's being paid like that. Like, oh, the team season like this, yeah. so we have to seem like that too. And I think that was unfair on him, and it put a lot of pressure on him that maybe he didn't necessarily deserve. So, exactly. in that regard, yeah, I think it's it's tough to write him off and say he's never going to be good. But he's given us what he's given us the last three or four years, and I mean, this is just the kind of player he's been. And 
how long do you wait? Like I said, how long do you wait until you just realize this is just who he's going to be? And I'm not saying that's a bad yeah. thing, but no, we can't exactly, treat him like if you had, anything more if you than had that. Eight, if you had eight players that put up the numbers he had, you still have a, a successful team, uh, you know, when it's all said and done because they would feed off each other and they would drive each other in and, you know, but he's not performing to what we expect. He's not a number three, a number four hitter. I, uh, at I this mean, point, you add him, you go ahead. I was going to I kind of disagree with that sentiment though, that if you had a team full of one win players, you'd be good enough to compete. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at the teams in the playoffs, they all had these blue chip type prospects, guys that are five, six, seven win players. So I don't think it's fair to say that if every player was Will Myers, you'd be okay. I think, that would be a, a negative. I mean, it, I think the more important note is that we shouldn't expect Will Myers to be the leader of a playoff team, but at the end of the day, he's still a good um, auxiliary player. So if you have, like, Fernando Tatis and Jorge Ona and whoever else in the middle of the lineup and Will Myers is, like, your sixth hitter or, your, or maybe your second hitter, that's totally fine. I mean, he can operate in that role. I just I think the ship has sailed on saying he's a the leader of a team. He's going to be the best player on the team. He's going to be the Aaron Judge, the... I don't know, the Joey Votto, the Paul Goldschmidt. He's not those guys, and I don't think he's going to be those guys. I would be somewhat surprised to see him get to that level. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm not going to put my eggs in that basket at this point. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's definitely something that's not within reach at this point. He needs to make major adjustments to his approach and his swing and his mentality. Uh you know, I've I've spoke about it before. I've seen him give up 20, 30, 40 at-bats where he's just taking fastballs right down the middle or sliders right down the middle, and he's basically walking away from the plate before the umpire even rings him up. That That is – that's guessing. That is not getting your your frame of mind in, in the correct – you know, it's just I, – I don't know. I'm, I'm really – I'm sick of talking about this, so I can imagine how he's pressing. I can imagine how he's taking every at-bat and wanting to, to just do everything he can. And at this point, it, it's just it, it bundled up on him and it snowballed on him, and, and I'm sure that the offseason was just, uh, just a big, giant finish line that he couldn't wait to get to. I, I don't know. I I need to see major major changes in his approach and major changes in his... I don't want to say mentality because I, you know, people say all these things and bring up all these things. The James Shields, the you know, wasn't trying all this stuff, and no one knows that other than his teammates that look at him every single day and see him. And you know, to speculate that on that is unfair. He, Will Myers is a care is a carefree type of person. He has that type of attitude. He's gonna always be that way, and that's gonna rub some people the wrong way as. He doesn't care. Or he's not passionate. He's not the type that's going to get into a fist fight. I mean, look at Bumgarner last year, or was it the year before, buzzed him, was ready to fight, and, and he kind of just laughed about it. He's not that type of person. He's not going to be that passionate person that, that you know, is a team leader in, in, in all actuality. But as a nice compliment piece, I, you know, I... I don't know. I'm just let's move to second base. I'm tired of talking about Will Myers already. Damn yeah. It. So I think it's fair to say at this point, <laughs> let's not talk about it again unless there's some story that comes up. I think we can just give him yeah the off season exactly, free from our criticism and then hope for the best next spring. Hope he comes back a new guy ready to 
change his approach, change the trajectory of his career. Really, I mean, I'm ready to. Yeah. I'm not writing him off. I want. I want him give him that chance to prove himself, and I think that's really all we can do now. All yeah. Right, so second at, base. At twenty-seven. <laughs> at twenty-seven, there's still time. Uh, second base. Let's talk about the logjam at second base. Where, where are we going with this? Uh, we got Solarde, we got uh, Oswahe, we have Span- Spanjimug Dang. He actually didn't even play second base this, this yeah, year, we'll, did he? We'll talk about him at third base. We'll just talk about Solarte. Okay. Solarte and Oswahe uh, at second base. Um, God, Solarte at, at, at age of at age 30 is arguably the heart and soul of this team. He is probably the exact opposite of Will Myers as far as passion and uh, mentality and approach at the plate. I, I never see Solarte give away in that bat. I never see him take strike three right down the middle. He might he might swing out of his shoes and fall down, uh, swinging at a pitch on strike three, but you won't see him you won't see him not prepared on a daily basis. And I think a lot of the young players pick up on that and they feed off of that. Um there's going to be tons of rumors this offseason about a trade for Solarte as he has obviously he has value and he's playing a position in which the Padres have a lot of youth at. Um, th- th- give me your thoughts on, on young Harvest. Um, this is going to sound rough, but I'm just kind of indifferent at this point. Um, he didn't really have a great season by any standard. I mean, he had the 28th best WRC plus among second basemen. He had the 39th best on base percentage among second basemen. So, wow. At the end of the day, he I, I know we like we always like to think of him as this great player, but he didn't have a great season. I mean, he wasn't very good. I I mean, he had a lot going on in his personal life. I mean, the guy is he's now a single dad with three daughters, so that's got to play into it somewhat. So, um, I don't want to be too critical of the guy, but. I just don't think he had a very good season. And long-term, I just don't really see him being a part of this team's plans. Um, I think it's more likely he's traded either, if not this offseason, sometime next year, whether that's during the season or the offseason. I just don't see him here long-term. Um, and I'd really like the Padres to roll with Carlos Asuaje in an everyday role, at least for next year. Um, long-term, I don't think Carlos Asuaje is an everyday player. But if you look at his numbers next to Solarte's, they're pretty close. I mean... In terms of on-base percentage, yeah. Swahe had him beat. Um, in terms of WRC+, plus, they're pretty even. Obviously, Slarte comes with more pop, um, and that's nice at second base. I think Swahe only hit, like, four home runs for the whole season. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I'd rather just roll with the younger guy and see what he's got. And I think long-term, Swahe is a utility player, but a very useful one. Um, but, yeah, Slarte, I-, I think he gets traded this offseason um, because, like you said, there's a log jam and... I'm just not really sure where he fits long term, and that's that's to say nothing against who he is as a person. I love Solarte; he's always been fun to watch. I love the energy. Um, I love what he's brought to the city. But at the end of the day, I just don't know where he fits going. Yeah, forward. no, I mean it, it, it's fair. I mean his OPS dropped uh, from an 808 uh, in 2016 to 731 last uh, this season or this past season. The, there's some alarming things about his numbers. Uh, and the fact that he's 30. Health has always been an issue with him as well. Uh, he only played 128 games this year, 109 last year. Um, you know, I like his plate discipline as far as he makes contact generally. I mean, he's not a, he's not a type of person that walks. 
but he usually makes contact. He's not a, a big strikeout kind of guy. He, he generally puts things, uh, gets things moving, gets gets the lineup over. But when it's all said and done, his value, he still has value. And, and with the young kids around him, I, I really, I would be surprised if he's still on the roster in April. And, you know, I, I really pull for the guy and I really like him as a player, but uh, just honestly, I, I would be surprised if uh, if the Padres retain him for the 2018 season. Yeah, I think that's pretty a fair thing to say at this point that it, it's more likely he gets traded than I think he stays. Um, I probably I probably put it actually at fifty fifty, but I think there's a pretty good possibility of him being traded this offseason. Yeah, and, and again, Preller's not the type that's going to get pennies on the dollar. So if nobody's paying inappropriate. Uh, price for Solarte, I mean, given the fact that he is at, probably at a discount rate over what he was last year. But if nobody's going to pay that price that Preller deems for him, then he's not going to deal him. He's, he's he's already shown that in the past. He's going to hold on to him. And, and maybe he boosts up his value a little bit with the hot April or May, and then they explore situations later on. So, you know, it's just something to look forward or look for in the future. Um Carlos Aswahi was really impressive. He slowed down a bit uh, in the end of September. Um, there's still some concerns. The strikeout rate, uh, he struck out 76 times in uh, just over 300 at-bats. Um, you know, I really liked what I saw defensively defensively from him as well. He, he I had always heard conflicting reports about him defensively, and uh, I was really impressed with what I saw. Um, he's not a speed burner. He's not going to get on base and steal bases for you, but he will get on base any way he can. He does battle pitchers uh, typically. So, um, you know, as a Swah- if a Swahe is our number one, number two hitter next season, I-, I would be, you know, content with that. Yeah, I'm totally fine with him batting behind Margot next year. I- I'm totally good with that. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's move to shortstop. Do we have um, to? We have to because Can we just talk we about have... how great Fernando Tatis is and hope that he comes soon. Yeah, the, the, he'll be there eventually. If he's not lazy, he'll be the third the shortstop of, of the future. If he's not lazy, <laughs> then, I mean that's coming from his own his own words. I mean, he told me or he told the fans that uh, that he <clears throat> he prefers to play shortstop, but will play third base when he's lazy. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Read what you want into that. Uh, shortstop was was. Uh, Manned by and heard of Solarte towards the end of the year. Actually, and, and he did. I'm he fine did with that. that. Yeah, I'm fine with if, if they do want to keep him. I'm fine sticking him at shortstop next year. Because I mean, yeah. who gives a crap about the defense at shortstop? <laughs> the team's not trying to win. Whatever. What I don't care. I know I give people a hard time on defense for this position, that position, not playing well. But if you got Solarte at shortstop, what do you really expect? So I'm fine with that if that's how it's going to be. Um, but in all seriousness, I think Eric Ibar was. This is going to sound sad, but he was probably one of the better shortstops the Padres have had in the last, like, five years. I mean... That's not saying much, but it I is mean, Since Everett much. Cabrera left, uh, Everett Cabrera put together a few good years there. I mean, yeah. Am- Alexi Amarista was borderline useless. Uh, Alexi Ramirez yeah. was probably unplayable for the whole time they played him. Jason Bartlett was there. Um, Barmus. Clint Barmus was there. Luis Sardinas. I mean, all those guys were pretty terrible. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. Eric Arbar was good, but compared to those guys, he actually wasn't half bad. I mean, I don't know if I'd bring him back next year if the option was on the table. I don't know if I'd... I'd rather just stick Jose Rondon out there every day and just really give Ugh. him the chance to see what he's got. 
I know he was bad That's... last year, and he had a pretty good start to this year before some injuries. Um, he played most of the year in AA and AAA. So I, I'd be fine with sticking Rondon out there if he shows enough in spring training and just letting him run with it. But um, at this point, yeah, I, I don't really care who plays shortstop because I'm hoping Tatis tears it apart and comes up by next July. So it's really just that would be wonderful. the next three or four months seeing um, – who ends up playing shortstop and who ends up holding it until we hopefully get a real shortstop for the next half dozen years. Yeah. It's a, there's a huge hole at shortstop. We all know it. We've all had to suffer through it. So who knows what the answer is? Uh, uh, Solarte is probably penciled in at the moment with the Ibar possibly retained at this point. Who knows? Um, Let's move to third where Spangenberg had a, you know, I don't want to say productive season because he cooled off towards the end, but it's in moments there and spurts there, he really looked like he had found his stroke. Um, Christian Villanueva came up uh, at the end of uh, the year in September and tore it up, really. Uh, he's still relatively young. Villanueva's still uh, 26, so um give me your thoughts is there a platoon situation there with with spangenberg villanueva uh emerging for 2018 uh uh, i don't know about spangenberg honestly i mean yeah there were spurts where he was decent this year um Mm -hmm. the defense is passable the base running is really solid i think that's what he really provides but i just don't know if he's going to do enough offensively at third base to be an everyday player. I mean, you look at his numbers and he sits really near the bottom of the leaderboard in just about every category among third basemen. So it's kind of rough to squint and see him as an, I mean, for example, on base percentage, he is the 30th best third baseman in terms of on base percentage. So exactly 30th. So that means he's a starter, (laughs) but Yeah. yeah, it's kind of, kind of rough. And in terms of slugging percentage, he doesn't even sit 30. And I don't think batting average he does either, the top 30. So there's just so many good third basemen in baseball that I think in general you want more offensive production from a third baseman. I think um, Spangenberg was, what, like a 94 WRC plus at third, I think, something like that. Um, So that would put – I mean, that would put him – somewhat near, I guess, league average. but I, I guess I should say below league average for third baseman. I think the league average for third baseman is just above 100 WRC+. Plus, so he'd be slightly below. But when you take account the base running that most other third basemen don't provide and his defense is at least passable, I think he, he can pass it, pass as a third baseman and fake it. But um, when you think 2019-2020, a playoff team, is Corey Spangenberg a playoff caliber starter? The answer's got to be no. At least yeah. I think so. Um, I think him and Aswahe are both very useful as um, bench players because they both have versatility in position. They both put together good at-bats off the bench. I mean, Aswahe is just really a great hitter in terms of watching pitches and not swinging at bad ones, and he just he really fights up there, and he can play several different positions. I mean, you could put Aswahe at second, third, short in a pinch, stick him in the outfield. Same with Spangenberg. Spangenberg can pass at all his positions, including left and right field. I mean, you could probably even stick Spangenberg in, Spenner, uh, Spangenberg in center in, in a pinch. So I think both those guys are very, very useful utility players, but I, I have no idea who's the Padres' third baseman long-term. I think that's the one position that I'd really like them to fill um, externally 
and whether that's like yeah. signing Manny Machado or I don't know, but I just don't see. I mean, maybe Hudson Potts eventually does enough to earn that title, eventually. but he's still what nineteen in low A, so that's yeah. a ways away. Um, but if you look yeah. at twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, who's the third baseman? Unless Tatis moves off the position of short, which I, I really don't want that to happen. Unless there's a guy that up and coming, like one of those young Latin players, comes up at twenty and is a shortstop, then that's fine. But yeah, I, I just don't see like that's a, that's the one position that I'm really concerned about long term. Is is there a third baseman here somewhere? And I just don't see it. Yeah, no, you, you there's gonna have to be. Uh, there's going to have to be some changes in, in the next uh, couple seasons. Um, you, we have a bunch of utility type players that are currently getting uh, everyday at bats, and they ha- uh, yeah they haven't shown enough in those everyday at bats to really put themselves on the map long term. So no, no, it's you know, it's it, it is what it is. That's what it is. I mean, they you can't sugarcoat it. Uh, they've gotten enough at bats to be able to make a determination of, of their value. And at this point, the team's going to have to look elsewhere. I mean, we all know that the team is really, really uh, stocked up in pitching, but has some issues with position players, uh, especially on the higher end of the minor league system. So it that's why the, the 2018 uh, 500 finish is, is really a pipe dream, unless they make some major, major additions. And at this point, that would be counterproductive towards the 2019-2020 run that, that everyone's expecting. So, I, you know, AJ Pro has his, has his work cut out for him, but I would expect for this team to make some trades this offseason. Uh, they have value in Brad Hand. Uh, we'll have to see what kind of return they're looking for. I would have to think that they're looking for young starting pitching and uh, possibly position players, uh, more in, in specifically a shortstop. You know, I don't know. We'll have to see. There's, there's so many rumors going on. Um, it's just, it's, it's so early in the off season. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a eventful off season for the San Diego Padres, though. I, I would reckon. Oh, definitely. There's, there's really um, a lot to be decided and a lot to figure out. So I think this off season is going to be um, entertaining, regardless of how next year is going to play out on the actual field. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's the off season, folks. There's a lot of speculation going to be happening in the next couple months, uh, and we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I think that uh, pretty much wraps up our our infield and catcher uh, breakdown. Uh, unless you want to talk about Ryan Schimpf, I, I don't. I don't know. Is um, he even in? A... Not particular. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah, pretty. Yeah, I think much... Ryan Schimpf's performance in AAA this year has kind of shown that he was. Like we all thought, I mean, at least anyone that was paying attention, this is a one-hit wonder, and if you don't trade him for something, he's just going to revert back to what he was the last whatever number of years in the minor leagues. So, hmm. Yeah, it uh, he had a good little run there, so we'll, Padre fans will always yeah, remember Ryan pour, Shimp. Pour one out for the, uh, the Shimp man. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, Patrick, anything else we need to cover before we get out of here? Uh, I think we have rambled on enough. Yeah, so we'll talk about um, the outfield and the pitching staff probably Monday of next week. Um, I guess we could just touch on the playoffs 
so far real quick before we got out of here. I mean, Rockies lost to the Diamondbacks in the wild card, so Diamondbacks are going to play the Dodgers starting mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, Yankees beat the Twins. They lost game one against the Indians last night. They're losing game one currently of the uh, DS to the Indians 3-2. Uh, Astros took the first two games against the Red Sox, so Red Sox are in a little bit of trouble. Um, mm-hmm. Cubs and Nationals are going to kick off tonight at 4.30 as well. So a lot going on. Um, Jose Altuve is a monster. Really, yeah. the whole, really the whole Astros offense. I mean, Springer, Correa, Altuve, they're just so damn good, and they're going to be so yeah. good for so long because all those guys are under team control. So it's they're really fun to watch. I'm really rooting for them and the Indians in the uh, American League Championship. Um, not that I hate the Yankees or Red Sox, but aren't we sick of them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's that's my pick for the American League. Um, I really, I'm really rooting for the Astros. I think this year I like the they're the rebuilding team. That kind of what the Potters should be emulating long term. Um, if Tatis can be like Correa, that'd be awesome. If Arias can be like Altuve, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and it was yeah, a lofty, can, can it was end, a lofty comparison. Yeah, I don't think I don't see Luis Arias going deep three times in a major league game, but you know, I, that's fine. He's still, I, he's still very young, so yeah, um, I, yeah. I don't so know. The Astros are kind of the team I think to emulate um, yes. in the uh, National League. I, I hope the Diamondbacks upset the Dodgers. Just I was like pooing on the Dodgers parade. Um, exactly. As for the Cubs and Nationals, I'm rooting for the Nationals simply because the Cubs already won. So let's let's let, let's let a new team get there. You know, but. Um, yeah, I think Astros Nats would be a pretty fun World Series. I think, or even Indians Nats. So, even Diamondbacks versus yeah, I think as long as this, Diamondbacks lose, <laughs> this is going to be set up for a pretty good World Series, no matter what. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty. I can I can see a positive in almost any team that could possibly be in. Yeah, it, so I mean, the eight a, the eight best teams are here. There's not really any Cinderella story. There's not really any like team that doesn't deserve to be here. And I think really any team could win. And at the end of the day, most of these teams have not won recently. I mean, outside the, outside the Cubs, the Dodgers haven't won recently. The Nationals have, I don't think, ever won. The Astros, it's been a while. Um, the Indians have been forever. So outside the Yankees and Red Sox and the Cubs, the rest of those teams haven't won in, in this century, I don't think. So yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, I, and ho- I'm hoping for a, a new champion this year. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's exciting times. Folks, uh, Padre baseball is wrapped up, but uh, Major League Baseball is still in the air. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. The free agent market is going to be heating up in the next couple weeks. Uh, you're going to start to hear some names, uh, options being declined, and such. So, the Padres will definitely be active in in, uh, in the market here and there. Uh, stay tuned as we will keep you informed on everything and all things San Diego Padres baseball. Uh, Patrick. Anything else, or are you good uh, to take us out? I think we have covered just about everything we wanted to cover. Um, cool. We're, we're hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict. There's like a million apps that we're on. You can find us on all of them. Um, the Google Play Store, we're on there as well. So if you ever need to listen to our podcast, want to listen to our podcast, you can find us somewhere. Um, we're on Twitter. I'm Patrick Brew 93 James is EBT underscore J Clark. EVT underscore news and we're also at um, at EVT podcast on Twitter if you ever want to reach out to us um, we always appreciate feedback fan interaction um, it's been a great run 66 episodes um, hoping Definitely. to get to 100 before next season starts and uh, we'll just keep plugging away here good thank you so much folks East Village Times podcast is signing out EVT is out here broadcasting EVT is out here podcasting 
Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT Podcast. Padres EVT Podcast.